and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. The month of January always has me in an organizational mood. And when talking to quilters, it seems like there is a few different trouble spots when getting organized, and one of those is scrap storage. For something so small like scraps, Storing them can actually be a big challenge if you don't have a method to organize them. And it's not a one-size-fits-all system. Scrap storage is very personal to the type of quilts you make, to how you choose fabric, and for how much space you have. So today, I want to talk through some basics of how to store scraps so you can develop a system that works for you. The first basic way to organize scraps is by size. If you organize scraps by size, it allows you to choose patterns that use many of the same size pieces over and over, such as those with triangle squares, flying geese units, or four patch units. Quilters who sort by size like to play with contrast like light and dark fabrics, but they may not be overly concerned about the color schemes of their quilts. They tend to love the sparkle that comes with using a variety of fabrics and colors in repeated units. If you want to sort by size, you need to figure out what sizes you're saving. Once you know what sizes you would use most often, you know how to cut down leftover fabrics before storing them for a future project. So here are some questions to ask yourself. Do you love making quilts that use pre-cuts? If so, cut your scraps into the largest usable pre-cut size, such as 10 inches, 5 inches, 2.5 inch squares, or 2.5 inch wide strips. What are your favorite blocks to make? If you find yourself piecing a lot of flying geese units, for example, you may want to cut background fabrics, such as whites or creams, into squares and darker fabrics into rectangles. Do you like strip piecing or string piecing? In that case, you may want to cut leftover fabrics into strips of different widths, such as one and a half inch, two, two and a half inch, or three. Another common way to organize scraps is by color. If you organize scraps by color, it allows you to make seasonal or holiday quilts more easily, or choose projects that use color placement to highlight a design. Quilters who organize by color tend to like more limited color palettes and appreciate more planned color placement in their quilts. Sorting by color can be a little overwhelming because there are so many colors out there and you may have limited space. So here are some questions to ask yourself. How do you define a background color? 
you may be able to store all of your whites, creams, light grays, and low volume scraps together. But if you like to be more specific with your background colors, you may need to separate those colors within your storage. How detailed do you want to get? For example, like how do you define blue? Is it dark and light blues, teals and aquas? Do you want to separate by different shades? Or are all blues just classified as blue in your storage? What colors do you use most in your quilts? The colors you use most will give you the most scraps and will be the container you reach for most often when you're making future projects. So store scraps of those colors in your largest storage bins and save your smaller storage containers for colors you rarely use. Now, these are just the basics. If you're first starting to collect scraps, we recommend choosing like a simple storage system so you don't get overwhelmed. And then as you get more comfortable, you can expand your system or mix and match some of these ideas according to your needs and your space. You can absolutely sort by size and within the sizes, sort by color if that works best for you. Let me share a little bit about my scrap storage journey. So when I first started quilting, I never saved scraps. Uh, I didn't have the space to store them, and I just wasn't confident enough to tackle a scrappy quilt. What led me to scrap storage actually was mini charm squares. I had a habit of buying mini charm packs at quilt shops just because, you know, they're so cute and they're they're pretty affordable. Uh, but I never know what to do with them. So eventually I had too many. So I separated them by color and decided I would use those two and a half inch squares to tackle a scrappy quilt. I loved the quilt so much. Uh, so I started cutting all my scraps into two and a half inch squares and adding it to my collection of mini charm fabrics. And I did this for years. And I have so, so many scrappy projects with those two and a half inch squares. Now, recently, I decided I was ready for another size, so I stopped cutting my fabrics into two and a half inch squares and instead cut everything into strips ranging in size from one and a half to two and a half inches wide. I organized them by color and I finally have enough strips to tackle a pattern. I'm thinking a pineapple quilt, uh, which is on my bucket list for this year. And I think I'll just continue saving strips of fabric now because I do love um, string quilts and log cabin quilts. So these strips give me the opportunity to make scrappy versions of these quilts over the next few years. As you can see, my scrap storage is fairly simple. Uh, I only save one size scrap at a time and organize by color. I, I think I would get overwhelmed by anything more complicated, and I just don't have the room to store things in a more complicated way. But it's so satisfying to find a scrap storage system that works for you, because once you do, it's so much easier to finally use those scraps in a quilt. Now, of course, not everyone wants to save scraps. Maybe you just aren't a scrappy quilt person, or maybe you just don't have the space, and that's totally fine. In that case, uh, you may want to donate scraps instead of throwing them in the trash. Um, so here are some suggestions of where to donate. You could do 4-H or FFA chapters. 
um, animal shelters. Uh, you can also make pet beds to donate by filling a pillowcase with scraps of fabric and then sewing the opening closed. Uh, church groups may collect them. Um, art teachers, elementary schools, homeschool groups may want them for art projects. Um, there are prison inmate sewing programs out there. Uh, maybe your local quilt guild does charity projects. Um, also, maybe your quilt shop has a charity quilt project they do, or maybe they have a community of people that meet that would appreciate those scraps. Some cities' recycling programs accept textiles or have a specific drop-off for textiles. Um, boy or Girl Scout troops might want them. Or you could even package them up and donate them to a thrift store so someone can buy scraps of fabric for cheaper. We hope all of these ideas help you tackle your scrap storage. I'd love to know more about how you organize your scraps. So if you want to share, you can send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with Maria Wojcic of Mara Quilt Designs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back. I'm passing the mic off to Elizabeth for her chat with Maria Wojcic of Mara Quilt Design. Enjoy. Well, hello, Maria. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. Hello to you too. I'm really, really excited. And this is like, you know, apart from my patterns, you know, getting into a magazine, this was like Close to unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we're very excited to have you as a guest and for our listeners to get to know you and a little bit more about, about how you got into quilting. So why don't we just start there at the very beginning? I know when I like when I meet a new quilter for the first time, I love to hear about how they first were introduced to quilting. So could you share with us a little bit about um, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about how you you know, became, quilting became a passion for you. Sure. I'll be happy to. So, um, yeah, I am, uh, you know, a wife, a mom, a grandma of five, very happy. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm in my um, daily job. I'm a cancer research scientist. I've, you know, been doing that for a very long time. And um, you probably, um, you know, by my accent, could uh, also conclude I wasn't born in the United States. I am a first generation immigrant. So we came in 1992 from then former or now former Yugoslavia, which there was a civil war there. And so we came to 
escape that. And both my husband and I are, you know, research scientists. So, you know, we had that good opportunity to, um, you know, get away and give our kids uh, a better future. So that's what we did. And initially it was going to be temporary. And then of course it didn't. <laughs> so here we are 30, 30 years later. <laughs> the last year was actually interesting. It was 30 years of mm-hmm. us living in America. And for me, it was exactly half and half because when I came here, I was 30 and last year I turned 60. So I, <laughs> it's a, it was like a lot of, um, so the interesting part is that when I lived in, now it's called Serbia because my country changed names and you know borders about three times since I immigrated. So that's kind of a fun fact. Uh, but uh, when I came, uh, for, you know, when I lived in Serbia, uh, uh, there were I've never seen a quilt in my life. It just quilting really did not exist as a you know as a handwork or anything. It just is not a tradition there. There is a lot of other uh, beautiful handwork, you know, um, you know, embroideries and weaving and, um, you know, or crocheting and all kinds of stuff, but not quilting. However, I have sewn since I was probably around, I want to say eight or nine, making clothes. You know, that was my, uh, my stepmother was a seamstress. So that's how I learned. And then I just loved it from the first, my mom couldn't, you know, stitch a button to save her life but uh <laughs> so uh, you know i've been making my clothes since i was very, you know a teenager and um, and in europe that's a much bigger part of you know sometimes your life is making your own clothes not as much here so anyway you know i knew nothing about quilting now quilting is there you know it kind of travels like in a lot of europe and stuff but at that time not so you know i came here in 92 and started working um uh, and um, so I think it was 94, kind of blurs a little bit now, uh, when, um, you know, I was in working in a lab and uh, a very good friend of mine, um, you know, she is a born American. And uh, so actually it was a third friend who uh, brought in this um, book that I'm sure everybody knows. It's called Quilter's Complete Guide by Marianne Fons mm-hmm. and Liz Porter. And she's like, guys, look, look at this book I found. This is really cool. And of course, two of them knew about quilting, obviously. Um, and they were talking how, oh, I've done, a, you know, a little baby quilt long time ago. So all three of us decided we need to, we need to try this. This is really cool. And so, you know, that was the beginning in about 94. And we tried to learn things. And then we discovered the rotary cutter. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of you know, uh, crazy things. And I just, I was completely fascinated. And, you know, I loved fabric, you know, since forever. And um, (laughs) my husband will point out that even over in Europe, when we lived, I always bought more fabric than I could ever use, which normally, you know, people who do clothes, they don't do that. You know, Mm -hmm. you buy what you need for a skirt or a dress, you make it, you toss the rest because it's not really as usable. I always had cupboards of fabric. So, <laughs> my, my husband liked to say that there was some sort of a quilting gene in you somewhere, you know, to accumulate fabric. So, um, so that's how I started. You know, we, we were just, um, you know, with friends and um, we would try different things and different techniques. I remember soon after we started paper piecing, the foundation paper piecing kind of mm-hmm. appeared, you know, as a technique. And that was like, super fascinating. And... Uh, so we tried everything new we could possibly 
learn, we joined the guild, and um, we're really lucky here in, in Buffalo, New York area, there is a very, very vibrant quilting community. We have at least, I can't quite count, but probably five or six quilt shops in a very, um, you know, a close vicinity, a lot of quilting guilds. So I like literally dove right into all of that. <laughs> And, uh, you know, books, buying books, buying fabrics, everything, going to taking classes, going to larger quilt shows. We discovered, I discovered, I remember that by like at that time, some rudimentary internet thing that we had. I remember <laughs> we discovered Vermont Quilt Festival, and that was kind of close here, you know, seven hours drive, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it's, it's a big quilt festival here in Northeast. So, um, we started doing that, so it was just that. And then a few other friends also working in uh, in the hospital where we worked um, joined us. So we kind of became this little group of six that uh, we would meet at lunch breaks, exchange our, you know, show each other our projects or, oh, look at this new pattern, look at this new book, look at this new fabric. So that's kind of like how it all started. And, and we, you know, we are friends ever since and we, all of them are happily retired now except me <laughs> so uh, but we still see each other you know some moved away and stuff but we still see each other at least once or twice a year and and you know do some quilting stuff and things like that mm-hmm. so that that was the beginning but um and then um i also i had a very close dangerously close quilt shop <laughs> to where i live you know you could walk there in like five minutes so oh, that's, that's very close <laughs> dangerous so one time i remember finding this one interesting book and i made this project from this book and i went you know into the quilt shop to show them because i bought fabrics i'm like look guys look what i made and you know there were two owners marie and Jeanette, and they are my good friends now and they said oh you should teach a class about that and i looked at them like they were aliens i I was like what no, why me? Why would I teach a class? <laughs> and they convinced me to do it, so I did it, and that was a whole another revelation. I think <laughs> that I discovered that I really, really enjoyed teaching, and so you know. And then just about re- after that, um, um, another friend and quilter who was teaching in that shop, beginners quilting, um, had to stop doing it. So they were like, "Oh, you should teach beginners quilting," and I was first sort of terrified <laughs> a little bit but then I did it and then I um I loved it even more because of everything that I ever thought I think teaching absolute beginners was just it's very special it's different but it's very special it's very rewarding it's just absolutely inspiring and uh and you know usually beginners class would be a class that lasts you know, six weeks or eight weeks you know in and so you form relationship with your group of students and they form relationships between themselves. And um, so it was just uh, something that uh, I really, really loved doing. And I taught many other classes. And so that was kind of, I would say, how a transition began of quilting not being just a hobby. Although, again, if you might ask my husband, he would say that it never was a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Who started with obsession? Let's let's be let's be clear. <laughs> I love what I think I love what about your story that I love the most is that you really feel like you found this community that you have, you know, your day job and bio research, which I 
you know, know very little about, but I imagine it's completely different than the world of quilting. Um, but you've kind of found your your community, you carve this out, and that quilting plays this really important role in your life. Um, so I just think that's so fascinating. It is. And, and that's actually really, uh, if I think about it, what, you know, quilting means to me or, or what it, you know, uh, what it means in my life. Um, maybe the, you know, what it is in my life, uh, when I thought about it, I, I, I think it, it did evolve from maybe just an interesting thing that I found and, and a little bit of a hobby into, you know, but throughout this whole journey, community is the main, you know, staple that uh, stayed. And, and I remember early on, I realized after some years of, of doing this that, um, you know, for me as a, as a first generation immigrant, I don't know that people who are born here really realize how when you, you know, when you move from one country to another, you completely uproot everything, even in the best of circumstances, like, which I think ours were because we knew the language, we had the jobs, we, you know, not unlike refugees who literally land with nothing. Um, you know, it's, um, it's still difficult because you know, all of your lifelong friends and your family, nobody's there. And all of a sudden you kind of dropped to the, you know, middle of nowhere, which, you know, figuratively. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, uh, quilting was really that, re that open door to, to America uh, in many different, on many different levels, in many different ways, um, you know, not just by forming, you know, close friendships with, with quilters, but uh, or traveling or um, but also learning about American way of life, uh, American history, because when you don't live in America, usually what you um, obviously you learn in school, certain historical facts and things, but daily life is seen through Hollywood, which mm. we all know is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really how it is. And that's too bad. And for me, um, you know, I saw the real thing, the real life, the real American spirit, the real American history, not the one you learn in school, but one that you learn through the work of women or through books that I read. And I loved reading all the quilting fiction, like Jennifer Chavarini and mm. all, I, I was like, you know, completely gulping all of those books, not only because it was interesting as, as books, but also because of, you know, learning about American life and things like that. And uh, so I really, I really, I have to say, like, I instantly fell at home, which is probably the biggest value that I could think of that, that quilting ever gave to me, you know, as I came here. Mm -hmm. Other yeah. than, of course, now all the creativity and but community, that's exactly what you saw, in, you know, it remains throughout and no matter what I do in quilting these days, take a class or teach a class or whatever, there is always a community that you then, you know, gain in either a virtual community being through internet nowadays, obviously, <laughs> or the one in person. Yeah, I think that's the power of quilting is that it unites us to history and it unites us to each other. So such exactly. a special craft in that way. Yeah, it's um, a decent connection. Yeah. And so now you have this business that is called Mara Quilt Designs. And 
2022 was a really big year for you. You released your very first quilt pattern, Niagara Stars. So congratulations on that. That's a huge achievement. And I was just curious what you found the most challenging or the most exciting about launching a pattern and putting it out into the world for sale for the first time. Yeah, I mean, there was there was many things and it was really exciting and probably even more than I expected because um, when I started teaching many years ago, I started by designing the quilts that would be, you know, samplers for my class, whichever class that may be. And then I, you know, automatically was writing the instructions. So uh, for and then I had a lot of other patterns that are like, you know, I have some free patterns. um, you know, on my on my website, on my blog, uh, I even had a few you know patterns in magazines and things. And but all of that is obviously it's experience, and you know, but it's slightly different. <laughs> and um, you know, and I've done this actually for years, but um, I think it wasn't until I took this course. I first took a course from Elizabeth Chapel of of Quilters Candy that's called Craft to Career which is uh, more about a general how to translate your pat your craft your creative you know creative work into some sort of a business that you would want and then i even after that um took uh, her second course which is the pattern writing course and i remember even talking to some friends of mine and they're like why are you taking that course you have been writing patterns for years and years you know for your local students or for whatever but it's really not it's not the same, and um, and if you want to bring it to to a really professional level and to learn, and you know, it might be a science nerd in me. I always want to learn more, <laughs> and uh, and I I remember even thinking like, yeah, maybe I know lots of things about writing patterns or or creating patterns, and I've used EQA since it was EQ two, so. <laughs> uh, but I still I learned so so much, and I don't know that I would ever have courage to uh, or not well courage to but confidence to like put out this pattern as a standing pattern, be, you know, with my name and my brand and everything. Have I not taken these two courses from Elizabeth? And again, even in those courses, there was a community, mm-hmm. and and that probably was the best part that we all encourage each other and help each other and exchange experiences and so that made me much more confident in you know what i can do and and how to do it and um so you know and because i've been doing designing patterns for literally decades uh i have literally a computer full of them (laughs) so it was very hard for me before taking these courses to focus and to take to pick one was oh no this one is better no 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 this one is better no 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 and then what I learned in the course is to to first of all narrow down your niche to to really find what you love the most to do because let's face it there is many wonderful designers out there many wonderful patterns for many you know so uh, I really had to think about that a lot and that was very exciting to me and very rewarding at the end when I kind of through my brain got to the point where aha this is what I really want to do and then I I could totally focus on that pattern the Niagara Stars as being the first one and um the you know again the writing process there is a lot of work in writing patterns I'm sure you know that and uh 
so you know there is a lot of hard work but the most and the most challenging part for me actually i think is not so much about a pattern itself but the marketing <laughs> that is also the part that i kind of really didn't know much about nor did i realize how important it is to to do certain things so those are the things that i learned in the courses and and but it's still that if i would have to pick right now that's probably the most challenging part for me is marketing myself mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know there's a lot of imposter syndrome going on there but um but you know the most important part and if i could ever give anybody uh, uh, an advice about it is to do it just do first and you know it doesn't have to be the best one it doesn't have to be the perfect one it doesn't have to be you know i don't know a golden winner of but um the doing it for the first time and going through the whole process um is is very um liberating in one way and then kind of even confidence boosting uh but i have to say that if i would have to pick the the favorite part of it was actually um having testers for my pattern and and i know this is somewhat a new thing nowadays that that, that uh, individual pattern designers do um but so i did it and um again it comes down to community it turns turned out to be this little community that we you know obviously over the internet who were so wonderful and so supportive and so creative to make you know different versions of this pattern that i couldn't like every single one i would see i'm like oh my god wow <laughs> so that was definitely i remember telling my husband a day before i was going to launch my pattern i told him i said listen even if i don't sell one single copy of this pattern going through this experience with my testers was so much fun it was so inspiring it was so rewarding i really don't care even if i don't sell one <laughs> That sounds like such a great group of people to have in your corner, you know, and to help you give advice and help you with the creativity part of it and getting the word out. It's just incredible. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and really make it better because, you know, we can read the instructions and, you know, I've wrote instructions, as I said, for many years for absolute beginners and for, you know, and on the other hand, like being in science and doing the scientific writing, you know, I'm very you know, focused on details and, you know, everything. however, it's still, it's not the same as somebody else reading your instructions and understanding them one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So they would say, oh, it would help if you put this here, or it would help if you have just a little diagram on the side, and it just made it so much better. Um, and, you know, that's just something that I, I'm just so grateful for. And, uh, you know, and, and it's just like, a, really, it's the best part. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, it's Lindsay. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we have to take a quick ad break. We'll be back soon with more from Maria. Um, so you also do a lot of your own free motion quilting, which I just admire so much because I myself and I know a lot of other quilters can really find that intimidating. So, you know, you're a teacher, you've been doing this for a long time. I'm curious if you have any tips or tricks that you could share with us about how to get started, how to get over that hurdle of just trying it. Because I know practice makes perfect. You know, you have to, 
practice to get better. But what are some tips that you could share with us? Oh, do I ever have tips? <laughs> I could talk about this for all, all day long. <laughs> I won't. I'm joking. But, but yes, I, I absolutely free motion quilting is probably one of my favorite parts of the whole process. I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite, really, because anywhere from color inspiration to design to but, you know, when it comes to an actual making the quilt probably is my favorite part. And um, I really, uh, you know, enjoyed it. I uh, I I don't know why a lot of people are so afraid of it. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I don't know. I, I understand it's a slightly different way of stitching because it's not going anywhere and you have to move it and all that type of stuff. But um, so what, what I, uh, you know, like you said, <laughs> it's so very cliche, practice, practice, practice. However, I'm going to share with everybody something that I learned long, long time ago from uh, quilter extraordinaire Patsy Thompson. And Patsy Thompson is somebody who has, it's patsythompsondesigns.com. She has many, many videos and tutorials on free motion quilting. And But I remember when I watched some of her um, introductory uh, free uh, you know, tutorials, she was saying, which was exactly my problem, you know, I would buy a book and the book would say, make a whole pile of 10 inch square quilt sandwiches, and then practice, 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 or 12 inch square or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's lovely. What do I do with 35 10 inch quilted squares, like nothing? Like, what, what? And, and because of that, like we, we quilters, you know, we, we want to make things, we want to and I, I really don't know anybody who diligently made dozens <laughs> of 10 inch squares, you know, to practice, which is in itself is a good um, advice. However, for the first time, what Patsy Thompson said is don't do that. Do 12 by 18 quilt rectangle sandwiches, which will then become lovely placemats. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense because you know i'll practice and then she was also saying make one side fabric maybe more like a solid so you can kind of see what you're doing the other side could be print which will hide all your imperfections which they will be of course and then you bind them or you turn them or whatever you know whichever way you want to finish them and uh, and so that to me became so much more uh, you know it made more sense and i could actually use them you know and and so that I think is a great idea when you want to practice is that you're actually making something. Right. It you know? doesn't feel like a waste of time in a way, like a wasteful. <laughs> yes, because, you know, time and fabric and, you know, because people, would, I remember in, in those older days, you would, you know, make sandwiches out of like cheaper muslin or, you know, solids. And then you just, what do you do with them? I mean, there is only that many that my cat is going to use as a bed, you know, but... <laughs> rest of them will just you know sit in a pile somewhere so i really really love that tip uh, and then my tip that i remember doing uh, and i think the reason why i love free motion quilting is because I, since i can remember i was always doodling with you know just pencil and paper to this day you know when i'm at work and i'm in a seminar that i have to listen i actually listen better if i'm doodling literally uh, I can then focus on the sound, you know, but for free motion quilting, it really does help. It, there is a, some sort of a muscle memory that you create. 
but there is one slight difference between you just sitting and doodling on paper. I would say when you do that, keep your elbow up in the air. Don't like, you know, when we're writing, your elbow is on the table, right? But when you're quilting, your elbows are up in the air as you are holding your quilt sandwich moving. Mm -hmm. So when you're doodling on paper to practice, do it that way. Do it with your elbow in the air. That way you will kind of, you know, you know, practice your hand moving in, in that way rather than just sitting on a, and you can doodle on paper, you know, you don't have to do it on paper. You can have a little, let's say, I don't know, 12 by some 18 uh, white dry erase board and a dry erase marker. So then you doodle, doodle, then you wipe it off and you do. And to this day, even if I want something new, like, oh, I, I need to kind of figure out how to make this flower or this leaf, I will do it on paper first or on a whiteboard so that I can kind of figure out, you know, that continuous, because free motion quilting, um, the difference between free motion quilting and, and maybe just you drawing a flower on a paper is that you want to do it in a continuous line uh, so that you don't have to start and stop, you know, a million times in your quilt. So that's basically what you, you know, what you want to practice. Um, that, that's really kind of, and you know, there is nowadays so many different, um, you know, videos and tutorials. There is many other little things that can help you in terms of, you know, how your quilt is positioned and all those things um, that are important. But, uh, but it really is about just trying it and remembering that I always told my students when I was teaching that is that when you're free motion quilting, you're literally zoomed into that square of whatever six inches that's right in front of your eyes and you see every single stitch and you're like oh my god this is bad oh this is bad oh this is bad and i even do it today i was like okay i'm gonna undo this part because i really don't like it and then when i finished a whole big section of the quilt i can't find that part anymore because it all blends in right obviously you know if it's some sort of a big mistake or something but most of the time we are just too harsh of a critics of our free motion quilting because we are literally zoomed in like a microscope on that little section that we are doing right now mm -hmm. once you look at the whole quilt it sort of blends in and and you know and again it's gonna get better and better and better you know in the more you do it the, the better it gets <laughs> oh, i love those tips those are ones i've not heard before so thank you for sharing those i'm gonna i'm gonna put those into practice i think good, good tips there yeah um so i was just curious also you know we're starting off the new year 2023 what mm -hmm. big plans do you have um for the year or any like goals professionally or in your quilting life that you have that you could share with us? Sure. Uh, well, I do have um, at least, um, you know, I have one pattern that's kind of close. I'm hoping soon to send it to a tech editor and then to all my testers. So hopefully maybe by the end of February, there will be a, a second pattern. And then, you know, there is several others like in the pipeline. Um, I'm also hoping to send a few more to the magazine <laughs> for consideration. Uh, because I just I, I think that it's just you know it's it's such a you know great way to to um, to share your your love of quilting is uh, so um, those are kind of the main things that I really want to focus on and kind of be very consistent and of course we all know nowadays if you want um, to you know develop a business social media is very important 
So I, my main goal is to um, kind of um, get even better in that, more consistent, you know, send, you know, post on Instagram and stuff. Uh, ultimately, my kind of a longer term goal is also to build some sort of a community, whether it being maybe, um, I don't know, some sort of a, you know, a, maybe a Facebook group or um, a membership or something like that, where then I could like consistently share um, you know, all the tips and, you know, some tutorials and things like that. Um, so those are kind of, um, you know, but that takes a while to develop and to sort of think through all of it. Um, but uh, patterns are going to be kind of my main focus. And I'm hoping to have at least, um, I would say, four or five, you know, um, launched this year, plus, you know, hopefully some maybe magazine patterns and things like that. But also, I would love to kind of get back out there you know, after all these COVID isolations. I'm very excited to go to QuiltCon for the first time in February. And then there was um, there is a new um, uh, uh, retreat called Quilterpreneurs Retreat <laughs> that uh, Elizabeth Chapel and Liza Taylor are organizing. So I registered for that, and I'm really excited about that. That's in September. So those are kind of things that... Um, you know, besides all the internet connections that we all are so used to now, I think there is just a huge value of, of also getting back to your human in-person connections. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Either um, for fun or for business. <laughs> yes. I mean, both for sure. Those are so great. Well, it sounds like you have an exciting year coming up and I'm excited to see all that you do. So Thank you. hopefully yeah. you have time. <laughs> yes. That's the hard part. Finding the time for everything. It is for me. It's still like, and I, I realized that, you know, having a, a full-time job and, you know, I can't say like many people say like, Oh my God, I can't wait for to retire. I hate my job. I want to just quilt all day, which I do. I want to quilt all day, but uh, I really do love my job. It's very rewarding. It's very exciting, especially right now when we are developing some new clinical trials. And, and, and that's something that, you know, when you are in science for a very long time, to have an opportunity to have your science be so close to the bedside that you actually are giving patients uh, new and novel treatments is, is extremely exciting. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of very, very, very good organization. <laughs> I can imagine. Which I have to be better at too. So that's yeah. kind of another goal to, uh, you know, I think I have three different planners already. <laughs> Well, it's very impressive all that you've managed to do already. So, well, I love to wrap up our interview here with what we like to call our rapid fire questions. So I have some questions here for you so you can just answer whatever pops to your head at the beginning. Okay, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Number one, what is your favorite fabric color or your favorite color combination to use in quilts? I would say for a favorite fabric, I'm I'm a green girl in heart. So the forest, dark forest, like evergreen green is probably the color of my heart. <laughs> but I do love all colors. And that I learned to love through quilting. Before quilting, that definitely wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, uh, I do really love all colors and it's very hard for me to sometimes focus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, number two, what is a sewing notion or tool that you couldn't live without? Oh boy. Um, 
I, I, you know what? Uh, lately, I really love my um, stripology ruler. The, you know, the large giant <laughs> Excel stripology ruler as a new notion. There is many other notions that I really love. Uh, I would say that's one. And then the newly discovered one is, uh, uh, you know, how there is a Taylor's clapper, the wood. Now there is a block clapper. So it's actually a piece of wood that's 12 inches. And I got this absolutely beautiful one from the American uh, Vintage Modern. And I I have no idea how I live without that thing so far. <laughs> yes, I interviewed him on the podcast um, a little while ago. And he was telling me about those and they are beautiful. Oh, they're so that was that was my biggest treat of last year. And I just decided I am worth it. I'm going to get it. And that's it. <laughs> I used to do this, but with like a big ruler, you know, which is sort of lame. So once I saw those, I'm like, yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Okay, this is kind of a dangerous one. Um, I'd love to know how many UFOs, if any, you currently have started. Ooh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot. So I mean, I have some older ones if you know that may or may not remain in closet forever. I don't know. But I would say right now I have at least four quilt tops that need quilting. Oh my God. <laughs> I have one quilt that's completely cut out and pinned and ready to go, you know, being stitched. Um, and then I have my uh, patterns, the pattern that's gonna come next. Um, I, I tested one sample and then another sample. So if we count all of those, maybe a 10. Yeah, <laughs> so, that sounds like an okay number. Yeah, that's just the goddess. Will be the fresh ones. Let's call them fresh and not stale. <laughs> I like that. Fresh UFOs. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to tame it down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The next question is: What is the skill that you want to improve on in 2023? Hmm. If it comes to quilting, like you know, either stitching or, I really actually want to improve on straight line quilting. Believe it or not, because loving free motion quilting, I always, you know, refer to it and I go and, but there are sometimes designs that really, you know, call for some straight lines or maybe combination. And I, oh, I, I just think I'm really bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that is one that I really want to improve. And then hand quilting is actually something that I want to come back to mm -hmm. because I used to do it a little more, um, but kind of, you know, went away from it. And I really would like to go back to it and, and, you know, get even better at that. Okay, last question here. What is something that you've accomplished that makes you proud in your creative and quilting life? Hmm. Ooh, that is a tough one. But you know, what first comes to mind is uh, all the beginner students that I taught uh, for years, and I don't really know what the number is, but it's fairly large. I really would think that is something that I'm the most proud of is getting, you know, new quilt addicts. <laughs> uh, but, you know, joking aside, it, it, that, that's something that I probably am the most proud of is teaching people how to quilt from, you know, nothing. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And we always remember who is the person who first taught us how to quilt. So. Yeah, that is true. And and that's the part of that's so rewarding because I would, you know, I have now friends who are, you know, quilters with me and we go to shows and things, but they were actually my beginner students, you know, at some point. So um, that's just something that, you know, it's just the best. Yeah, that's so special. 
Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Maria. I really enjoyed our conversation and I know our listeners will too. So thank you so much. Oh, the gratitude is all mine. Thank you so much. And uh, I just have to say like, you know, uh, like I don't know if I mentioned it before, but American Patchwork and Quilting is the magazine that I first subscribed to. And actually, I think it was the issue number one, I'm pretty sure, because that was sometime in 90, the end of 93. Yeah. And I have every issue ever since. And then my absolute favorite quilting read is the quilt sampler. Mm-hmm. So yes. I, all of them too. <laughs> yeah. To be now part of, you know, um, this and, and, and on podcast is the absolute dream come true. Thank you. Well, it's so sweet to hear. Yeah, we're celebrating our 30th anniversary here. So that that totally is the right timeline there for you. And I think, you know, what's really uh, amazing about American Patchwork and Quilting is how it actually evolved with time and always remained fresh and relevant. And, you know, not just, you know, a whole bunch of patterns together or things. And, and, and I know there is a whole generation of new modern quilters and all that. But uh, I think that magazine is always, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, attractive to everyone. And uh, I just, um, I mean, to this day, I'm always excited when it comes in the mail. <laughs> Thank you. That's so sweet to hear. <laughs> well, we are so glad that you are now part of our American Patrick and Quilting family. So like I said, dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Lindsay. Thank you so much to Elizabeth and Maria for that wonderful and inspiring chat. Maria has a few quilt designs coming up in future issues of American Patchwork and Quilting, so make sure you pick them up or subscribe so you can see her beautiful work. We'll link to Maria's website and social media in our show notes so that you can connect with her more. And that's it for today's show. Remember that we have another Ask Us Anything podcast coming in February, so please send me all your questions, whether they're quilting related, about our jobs, our personal projects, or even just for fun non-quilting questions. You can email those to me at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That email is listed in our show notes. I'd love to answer your questions on an upcoming show. Everyone have a great week. Hi all, and thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.